find people that basically can't make enough uh, to, to, to eat before they go into the fields. I don't believe that. I think that you're looking at other places that are not Central Romana. People actually who focus on and who like getting an orgasm never get one. Pull up your socks and figure out what you're going to do. <laughs> Any chance we'll ever get to be a completely red for he's a jolly good fellow for he's a jolly good fellow for he's this? a jolly good fellow which nobody can deny i'll deny it which up nobody front. can deny which nobody can deny <laughs> Objection, sir. Are you singing about Yogi or Khomeini? Oh, well, both. <laughs> <laughs> and the good people of Dubai. Uh, I guess welcome to the uh, Patreon side of Grubstakers. Yeah, welcome. Uh, welcome to Grubstakers. We didn't even have to count in. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, we were going to do a fun episode today. <laughs> and... Remember how we ended that last episode by first predicting that there would be Iranian retaliation, but then also promising a more peachy episode to follow it? Well, I was just hoping, and I think I predicted wrongly, obviously, that they would just wait a year and then maybe like murder a NATO general or something. Right. And call it good. Well, that would be the appropriate response. Ayatollah Khomeini. But actually, um, as of 8.51 p.m. January 7th. Eastern Standard Time. Eastern yes. Standard Time. Uh, two bases in Iraq have been shelled by either rockets or ballistic missiles or something by Iran. Uh, Pentagon is saying cruise missiles. But there you go. we'll see. More than nice. a dozen. Yeah. Uh, so. It's going down right now. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we're going to be uh, working through that. Um, it looks like Iran did the smart thing and said, hey, if you retaliate against us, the next ones are going to hit Dubai and uh, Halifa. I don't know how to pronounce that city's name, mm -hmm. uh, which it looks like Trump was about to give. This is all old news. When you're hearing this, Trump was about to give speech. <laughs> If you're hearing this. Yeah. <laughs> See, interesting, sorry to cut you off, but interesting thing about launching missiles at Dubai is that you have an 80%, you have a 20% chance of hitting the worst people on the planet Earth. <laughs> yeah. And you have an 80% chance of hitting literal human slaves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. My, the best outcome of hitting Dubai is, uh, the ideal outcome is that it ignites a slave rebellion. Because I was actually even thinking about this. Like, if you were geo-coordinating uh, targets in Dubai, you would just, like, aim for the five-star hotels. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, try to hit the top floors and, like, see if you can Google, like, where the janitorial staff is. This is already the worst guest worker program imaginable. <laughs> okay, they don't even have pass their passports with them Well, anymore. listen, I don't want to make this too serious, but the yeah. worst thing was, you know, we were honeymooning in Baghdad. And honestly, once we heard the news... <laughs> We were like, we got to get the fuck out of here. I feel like the best way to hit the uh, the right targets in Dubai is you have like an altitude limit during business hours. So like the top 80 floors of the Burj Khalifa. It would suck to be like the Iranian guy in charge of the targeting system and you just fuck up the math a little bit and hit slave shacks instead. <laughs> just like, fuck. I'd say they should have carried the two. They would. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say like they could sink that um, that world map 
pleasure island off the shore of Dubai, but it's doing that on its own. <laughs> I like that Sean lives in a world where Arabic people are bad at math. <laughs> Persian. Per- yeah. Yeah, I yeah, messed that up, yeah. guys. All I right. apologize, uh, Let's take this from the top. Hello and welcome to Grubstake. <laughs> <laughs> they invented the number zero, which is the number of American casualties the Pentagon is claiming tonight. <laughs> well, they yeah. keep sh- they keep saying like, "You guys, it's fine." There are only Iraqi casualties. Oh yes, it's like so so much better. Yeah, no, <laughs> the story crazy. of the last decade. <laughs> yeah, so status quo. <laughs> only brown victims are zero victims. Yeah, I remember like every day during the Iraq War, there would be like the newspaper would come out and be like. They'd have a running count of how many American casualties there were. It's like uh, 300, 1,000, 2,000. And then eventually I got on like Wikipedia or something and I was like, okay, civilian casualties in Iraq. Oh, shit. It's like at the time, like half a million. Cool. That yeah. wasn't reported on. The democracy now would read out the names of like fallen soldiers. Oh, really? and it was only ever like one or two. So yeah. It was like John Smith. Uh, that's it actually <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but yeah so we have an episode tonight on uh, a billionaire uh that andy has personal experience with and he'll he'll enlighten us a bit but i guess yeah. you know again we're just trying to process this this iranian information because this situation is going to change by the time we release this episode as we said this is you know close to 9 p.m. eastern time uh, thursday january or yeah, tuesday january sure. 7th. Come on. let's tell them more old news ayatollah <laughs> <laughs> khomeini 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 yeah, by the time this comes out things could be amazing you don't know yeah <laughs> But like, uh, as you know, Trump did not address the nation tonight. He originally said he was going to address the nation tonight. Uh, uh, He's threatened, you know, to bomb 52 sites in Iran. So, I mean, it's just kind of an open question here. When Pelosi got the news, she started praying. Yes. Real. Yeah, but they didn't mention she was starting playing, praying to Allah. It's a whole thing with <laughs> Pelosi. She, she's a secret Muslim. <laughs> yeah, it just out of uh, respect for the uh, Muslim victims, she stopped <laughs> drinking vodka for five <laughs> minutes of her life. <laughs> just stopped slurring her words every single goddamn sentence. Double down on the Botox for some reason, though. Yeah. <laughs> If I must be sad, my face must not move. Yeah, Botox, not haram. Yeah, but um, I guess, Andy, would you be able to set me up with like a real morning zoo drop to just kind of diffuse the rage and the uh, anger that I would express if I were to uh, uh, try to just articulate what I'm feeling and thinking right now uh, about this Iranian Iranian attack, uh, attack counterattack? Yeah, we're going to add out about 10 seconds out of this. Well, I, I'm gonna, we're going to add it out about a do minute. It. Iranian, sorry. Yeah, I know. Well, I, I can mention it all I want because we're going to edit this. Yeah, no, it's going to stay in. But I, but I guess you Sean, don't even finally say the N word. We'll, we'll cut it out. <laughs> we promise. But, but I guess what you know. I guess what, and I would like to hear what you guys are thinking as well. But I want to just say what I am thinking right now is. I feel a deep sense of hopelessness and anger and despair. And what I want more than anything else is I want the people who are responsible for this to be held accountable because it just makes me so fucking angry that everybody in the Bush administration got away with what they did in Iraq because there is no statute of limitations on torture and murder and war crimes. These people should have gotten a special prosecutor. And what I would say to the Bernie Sanders transition administration, whatever, if you win, you 
Bazinga. <laughs> you goddamn well better prosecute these Trump people because they are corrupt up to the gills and they have killed people. And I'm just so fucking tired of innocent people having their lives erased because of the mistakes of uh, and the crimes of pieces of shit that will never be held accountable for any of this whatsoever. Bazinga. Steven, you got anything? Basically all of what Sean said. Uh, this president, man, it's uh, it's not funny anymore. Yeah. Well, it's a little bit funny. But listen, all I know is that I had multiple days in Herbal, Kirkuk, and Basra booked for my honeymoon <laughs> that I had to cut short. I had a mineral pool in Basra that I was willing to do, a beautiful mud hut in Kut. And how dare they cut my honeymoon short to what? Start a war? How dare this presidency cut my enjoyment down? Your Patreon dollars go for me and my now new bride to enjoy our lives together. Mm. I, I can't believe your new wife convinced you that Kirkuk was a real city. <laughs> Just like, yeah, I'm going to go out to Kirkuk. <laughs> yeah, you know, honestly, she did come back and she was sore the next day. And I don't know how that happened. She said she was riding a camel, but all I know is she got too humped that night. Yeah, but listen to me. Prosecute fucking... <laughs> First episode is a married man. Oh, yeah. Murder. Prosecute fucking Dick Cheney, too, because like and look, I, I don't want to get too down this fucking road. But, you know, it's sad to me that uh, everybody who dies is a fucking tragedy that the people who are held accountable for these wars are always the poor, always the working class. And uh, the, the, the elites, they just go on to, you know, better think tanks, better media careers, better mm -hmm. what, whatever the fuck. And until you start putting people like Dick Cheney in prison, this is never going to stop. It's just going to get worse. If it's funny, it's buzzing. <laughs> Interesting. <sighs> well, I just want to say, um, hey, real quick, why, why were we doing... Uh, um, uh, drops from that show because he had the same name. Was that Sheldon the whole? Adelson? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was the connection. Nice. Yeah. Oh yeah, it was uh, quotes from uh, young Sheldon Adelson. That's right. Yes. I I what I want to say is this quote from um this guy Nick on on Twitter. His his name is Nick, and then a crown uh, Val underscore sixteen underscore. Uh, Nick says, "Damn, Iran really fired back." This shit ain't about memes no more. It's serious. <laughs> and I think I think we're all feeling that right now. It was nice of, of Trump to get Yogi that wedding gift, though. <laughs> Yogi had been calling for the assassination of General Suleimani. Well, listen, you know, when your tweets get noticed, they get noticed. <laughs> and uh, I don't have as many followers as I like, but it's nice to know the big dogs are finally looking at some of what a, a little pups are putting out on the web. It would be so funny if you like tweeted some shit like that in 2014 and then somebody sent it to the White House like, could you get my friend this for his birthday, <laughs> for his wedding, his wedding present? They just really want to see a free Iran. Oh, man, if you want to go down a rabbit hole, um, click on uh, hashtags uh, where it's. What is it? Uh, Shah Reza. Mm -hmm. Hashtag Shah Reza. And you'll just see a whole slew of CIA accounts. Uh, <laughs> really? Call, yeah. Calling for the reinstatement of the Shah. Oh, fucking fantastic. There's, it, it is wild because I, I found I ran across it. Someone posted or there's, you know, some official tweet 
regarding Iran, and there was some lady, a, a quote lady, um, sure, probably a legend, yeah, probably a recent college grad in Langley, uh, <laughs> saying Iran is an occupied state, and then you click on their profile, and it's like. Uh, reinstate the Shaw <laughs> hashtag. <laughs> uh, but any other, I guess, thoughts? Maybe, you know, uh, we'll update if we hear more news uh, just from uh, Twitter and various uh, breaking news sources throughout the episode. Uh, but any other thoughts on on just what we're hearing tonight and, you know, just most likely the United States and Iran are going to war. I mean, hopefully we're able to back down from this. It's... Uh, you know, we'll see what happens. What am I going to do about my deposit on Hotel Ramada Ramadi? What am I going to do about it, huh? <laughs> I the mean, amount of money I spent at Karbala yeah. bars because I didn't want to go to Al Fallujah. What? How, how dare you, Trump? Ruining really, my love. What was really fucking me up on the way here was that uh, I was thinking about what happened to Eugene Debs when World War One kicked off. Hmm. Because he was a big part of the uh, anti-war movement at the time, mm -hmm. and they threw him in jail. Mm -hmm. And uh, if if this does become a real hot war, and honestly, I think it was brilliant for Iran to say Dubai and uh, Halifax are next because that's going to give Trump pause. Um, even if he doesn't want to pause, all the people around right. him will be like, uh, "You're not going to have any allies if you keep this up." Yeah. Um, the next targets are going to be golf courses. <laughs> yeah. But what, what worries me is that, you know, the, you think America is becoming a police state now. Mm -hmm. um, wait until it's in a major war. Like it's going to be, it's going to go from zero. If you consider this like on the, if you consider us at zero on the fascism scale, it's going to go all the way to 10. Um, it's, it's going to be, uh, just absolutely terrible. And on top of that, uh, er, er, and you know, every, every leftist and uh, war opponent is, uh, going to be just, uh, just, er, just jailed pretty much surveilled, jailed everything. And, and, you know, I wanted a, I thought I wanted a Eugene Debs. And now I kind of want a linen because, well, uh, I mean, I agree. Like the thing is, if you look at opinion surveys, you look at everything, 70%, 80% oppose a war with Iran. Yeah. But we're at some like past the looking glass era where it doesn't fucking matter. I know. So it's like if we, if everybody fucking opposes something and they have no power to stop it, it just seems like, you know, they don't even need to jail people. They can just let them march, let them get it out of their system right, and right. it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah, but eventually when people realize that marching isn't going to do much, people are going to get more extreme. And when people get more extreme, the crackdowns get more extreme. Mm. And it's just going to spiral. Well, yeah. Before Iraq, they had the largest demonstrations in human history, and they still went. I know. Well, that's what I'm saying is like, what if the demonstrations become more effective? Oh. Like, that's, that's mm. when things... Well, well it's know, been... I mean, uh, our leadership has been arguably just as uh uh unable to listen or just uncaring i mean before kent state they burned down a bank no. that's well but the thing is it's the fucking draft like you know and and i have other opinions about anti-war movement tactics but the reality is like as americans we're you know middle class we live relatively privileged pretty fucking privileged by the 
global scale of things, lives, this shit just doesn't impact us. Like, no, but what I mean is, is, is before at Kent State, mm-hmm. like they got more militant and burnt down a bank yeah. by the school. Mm-hmm. And then after that, the rifles opened up. Like, they, they won't institute a draft here. Oh yeah, no, because no the, you can't do imperial war with a dra- I mean you can, but it's much more difficult to do imperial war with a draft. Yeah. And I think that we're, we're you know, one thing I saw on Twitter a while back was that like the the, the draft doesn't need to cr- exist because the prison population in its current form is free labor for our government. So you mm-hmm. want to talk about a population of this co- country working for the government. We 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 got a prison population to take mm-hmm. care of that. So it um that what that Instead of the draft, that form of slavery is most likely more uh, prevalent, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. Which and just is, jingoistic fervor is sufficient to where people will just uh, volunteer in right. high enough numbers to where a draft isn't necessary. But it's not even jingoism. It's like economic necessity for a lot of people. Like It is, but like, I think we shouldn't underestimate that a lot of people just really do, really do believe the propaganda. I do. I mean, like... Both working class and middle class people oh yeah well no i mean you know look i I, here's what i'll tell you about myself i remember in high school i wanted to join the military because i bought into this shit i even told the fucking recruiter like yeah could i go to afghanistan not iraq (laughs) and uh, he's like yeah well i can't really make those kinds of promises (laughs) like they'll just send you wherever the fuck they send you right um and you know i didn't join because of course my mom didn't want me to and they had the money to send me to college and a lot of fucking families, you know, uh, people, their sense of patriotism, their sense of a desire for service is taken advantage of. Oh, yeah. They don't, you know, like when you're fucking 18 or 19, you don't fucking know about Lockheed Martin and Boeing and how these fucking vampires, KBR, how these people are making billions of dollars off of just killing innocent people on the other side of the world and getting, you know, uh, 18-year-olds from Nebraska getting their limbs blown off, you know? You don't know all these things. Did a couple of your bullies corner you and then they beat you down and you got up and you're like, I can do this all day. <laughs> yeah, that's that's actually like, they told the recruiter and the recruiter's like, that's what we need. Someone who can take a few hits. <laughs> and you get signed up for the super soldier Serum. <laughs> I think that uh, we're looking at um, the people that think Starship Troopers isn't a parody are the people that are most susceptible to be drafted and to be thrown into the military complex mm. without realizing the ramifications of what this country is and does. And the best things that you can see like on Reddit are people that are former military. You literally see they post like a, a photo thread of them pre-military like the first few days and then after you literally see their smile dying because they realize that they fucking bought into the pyramid scheme that is our military. Can I just say, uh, interesting to note that in Starship Troopers, the fascist government's motto is uh, service guarantees citizenship, mm-hmm. whereas in the United States, we'll actually still <laughs> deport you even if you commit to service. Yeah, you're yeah. guaranteed pretty much nothing and people still <laughs> right, join up right. willingly. Would also, you like to know more? Uh, at the end of that movie, Neil Patrick Harris puts his hand on the bug and goes, it's afraid, and everyone cheers. And uh, I'll tell you one thing about Iran right now. They're not afraid. No, they are unified they, in... Uh, nor should they be. Yeah. The pictures from the his funeral wake, mm-hmm. it was so crowded. I was just thinking if I was an average Iranian there, that would be that would be like the watching the ball drop. Yeah. There's no restrooms. Mm-hmm. 
It'd probably be more enjoyable I would be, than watching the ball drop. From I would I've be heard. pretty pumped up, obviously, from all the propaganda, but it would also not be very comfortable. But it's but it's unification. Look at that group of people and think to yourself: Are they not collectively going fuck this noise? I mean, like in the in the Search of Troopers uh, reality, they are Neil Patrick Harris, mm-hmm. and we are the brain. Well, I, miss, I wish I knew more about the like the left wing opposition within Iran. Sure, because I'm wondering what they're up to right now, and it's it's if you don't speak Farsi, it's pretty difficult to well to get a word to get uh, good Twitter contacts for this stuff. I mean, they're definitely not siding with America. I I can I can guarantee you that. Well, I, yeah. Uh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, also, just say I mean this this should, I guess this doesn't really mean anything. Um, because people everywhere are people, but I also, I've met uh, a good deal of Iranian people in my life, never met one I didn't like, um, which doesn't mean anything, but it's also like, there's, it does mean something. It means that this, this demonization of people that happens constantly in our media is bullshit and human beings, uh, for the most part react like most human beings do, which are, uh, in, in decency and in intelligent, logical fashion. And, uh, the fact is, is that Andy's, uh, incidental, uh, reasoning of every uh, Iranian he's met has been a decent person is the reality of most people everywhere. I mean, yeah. The horseshit that is the propaganda that one group, be it cut by religion, race, gender, or any other small uh, demonstrative way to cut down people, is horseshit. It's all for the elite to divide us and conquer. Because as this country was founded on divide and conquer, we've never stopped doing that. Well, now, Turkish people, I met one guy who was a dude. <laughs> the rest of them were really cool, though. Uh but there was one guy I don't like. What did that one guy do? Come on. He was just a douche. <laughs> what did he do though? He, it's it's not what he it was it was uh, it was like an, it's you know Andy you, maybe the problem was you did you ever think about that maybe yeah. your American ideals pro, uh, uh, projected his you douchiness. Know, you know I'll tell you he definitely tried to make me think that. <laughs> I'm kind of liking this Turkish guy. <laughs> Uh, if you're the Turkish guy who cucked Andy, please DM the Grubstakers account, and we'll have you on a future episode. We'll PayPal you money for it, too. Um, but yeah, look, I mean, obviously, there were, uh, in the in the lead-up to this, there were protests in Iran, there were protests in Iraq, and assassinating Soleimani, like, undermines all that. It completely undermines any domestic opposition to the government there. Like, you know... Uh, just to give you an example, uh, social democratic resistance to Hitler was uh, the social democrats in exile right after he took power noted that the population rallied behind him when he thumbed his nose at the Versailles Treaty. Mm-hmm. When he said, we're going to rearm, we're not going to let outside imperial powers impose their will on us. And it, it's just kind of a reality that, you know, a, a nation state as people within it will say, we don't like you know, outsiders telling us what to do or killing our, you know, people with 80% approval ratings. Not including the amount of time I was going to spend in Badra Spend, as well as the hotels in Ghassan and the wonderful spas on Lake Hamrin. Hmm. How dare you, Trump, cut my honeymoon short? How dare you? <laughs> the worst thing that's happened this year has been my honeymoon <laughs> being cut short. I did just want to mention David Frum has tweeted, this would be a good moment to have a non-pathological commander-in-chief. <laughs> um, and, yeah, and I just want to say that um, 
you know, if Iran is looking for a new place to... Bazinga. <laughs> David from, of course, coined the Axis of Evil speech, which uh, you might have heard uh, through various podcasts this week. Um, when the U.S. invaded Afghanistan, there was a cooperative relationship with Iran that was undermined when George W. Bush went on TV and declared Iran part of the Axis of Evil. Uh, and creating... the reason for that was because uh, while... Uh, while David Frum was trying to write a speech uh, deriding Iraq and North Korea, he wanted to use the phrase axis of evil. And someone told him, you need three things for it to be an axis. <laughs> and uh, guess what happened next? It's such a great story. But um, yes, well, but, what I was... you know, I think that's not to say, I mean, I, I think we can all agree that the world would be better off if David Frum... Bazinga! I was going to say, you know, Bernie transition team, if you're listening, pass a law. We're going to outlaw waterboarding except for one last time. <laughs> this time. <laughs> David, look, David Frum's the worst because he, uh, of all of them, because, well, I mean, Dick Cheney's obviously the worst, but David Frum is the most, uh, on a visceral level, he's the worst because he is completely trying to reframe himself as a liberal anti-Trump mm -hmm. conservative. And um, I just think it would be nice if uh, maybe Iran took some initiative and... Bazinga! Listen, for our homophobic listeners, it's uh, Richard Cheney. <laughs> <laughs> but just like, what if you pass a bill that says we're going to waterboard David Frum for charity? And then like... <laughs> For charity, yeah, you're gonna live stream it for charity, and you can do like super chats, and you can like gift streams on Twitch. <laughs> Tw you know, all the platforms come together, and you know, and then like, and then you can, the you can choose between water, milk, or Mountain Dew. And then yeah, one one of the torturers is Manning is like Manning the stream, <laughs> and like somebody gifts them a hundred dollars, and they're like, oh, thank you, <laughs> thank you. David from Wobbing Warbird. Yeah. David from's like, wait, you're not going to uh, uh, stand back. I have a knife. And then, uh... That's a knife. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Zern. Wait, I'm going to try this again. David from's like, uh, what are you holding? And uh, one of the people on camera is like, that's a knife. <laughs> so in the middle of all the trending topics about the war. Mm -hmm. Warren supporters thought it would be a good idea to get hashtag Warren 2020. Trending. Oh, oh, what dumb idiots. <laughs> oh, what fucking dumb cucks. She said Soleimani was a monster or something like that. Yeah, to Megan McCain. Yeah, Megan McCain bullied her into saying <laughs> Soleimani. <laughs> Think about what Trump will do if she can get bullied by. Yeah, his, but in fairness, her. if if Warren hadn't agreed, uh, Meghan McCain would have sucked her in like Kirby and Smash Brothers, <laughs> and <laughs> absorbed her. I've her got power. a plan for that. <laughs> you know, one of my most disappointing things with Me Warren is you can see her like like arm twitch reflex to be like I'm, I want to fuck you up right now but my PR team's telling me not to and with okay. that Megan McCain thing there's a moment where she's like I, I, I'll respond to what you're saying and it like has like a half twitch and I just really want it Warren to be like 
uh, Megan, your dad's dead, so how about you fuck off real quick? Uh, what, we, what I'm really trying to hear to say, like just straight annihilation is what I would like from Warren at this mm. point. I mean, that she's just not capable of that. Yeah. I think she's it's... got the eye twitch to let me know she's got some of that fire in her. You're right that she doesn't have it in her, but I think there's a, uh, she's being slow. She's got some weights that she needs to drop, if you ask me. I mean, she definitely has the, the kindergarten teacher demeanor. Mm-hmm. She'll take it out on her like BDSM partner. <laughs> okay, check this out. So uh, Megan McCain sucks in Elizabeth Warren mm-hmm. and like Kirby and absorbs her powers. Mm-hmm. And then she goes... And becomes less charismatic. Yeah. And then she goes, uh, so my dad's not burning in hell yet. I've got a plan for that. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, God. You know what? At least he's fucking dead and he doesn't get to see this. Fuck you, you piece of shit, John McCain. The Maverick. Yeah. And also- fuck your worthless daughter, too. Also, I will say, uh, I hope she be <laughs> wait <you> need... <laughs> soon. Let me, let me, let me, uh, let's try that one more time. I hope your worthless daughter joins you. In... <laughs> Thank you. Nice. It is pretty funny that, uh, John McCain sang bomb, 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 Moran. And as of yet, mm. uh, still hasn't happened, but they hit us. Yeah. Let's keep it that way. Oh, yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so let's talk about Larry Robbins, uh, the uh, man behind Glenview Capital Management. And uh, we're mostly, most of this, uh, what's left of this episode is going to be talking about some of his uh, philanthropic uh, properties, uh, a, a company, a small company that he was on the board of, but Let's do some, let's do some, uh, some bio. So Larry Robbins of Glenview Capital Management, he's uh 50 some years old now. He was born in 69 or some shit. And he is a hedge fund manager. <laughs> what, what show do we do anymore? <laughs> uh, this guy, he's fucking this old. He's, he's around here. He runs uh hedge funds. He's, uh, he used to work. He, he used to work for a company. Mm-hmm. By the name. Okay. How great would it be if we like uh, we release this and then we have to like Yogi and Post has to be like, yeah. So when we uh, recorded this, we didn't yet have the news that Dubai was a smoking <laughs> crater. <laughs> like every single building in Dubai hadn't been leveled yet. So those references to Iran, not uh, us, not bombing Iran, were not accurate. Yeah, I want to apologize for all the cities that I mentioned that I was fake honeymooning in, not existing anymore. Uh, I really didn't know <laughs> that Kirkut and. Uh, <laughs> That'd be so great if you have to cut all those jokes because it's insensitive to the 10,000 people who have died since we started recording this. Uh, Guys, interesting development. Turns out Iran had those nuclear weapons this whole time. (laughs) And uh, looks like they're better at using them than we are. So we're we're just putting this in post so you don't get mad at us. We didn't know when we were joking about Tel Aviv getting turned into glass. (laughs) Well, anyways. Do you guys see that uh, Netanyahu? uh, Oh, yeah. (laughs) Stephen posted a thing about Netanyahu. The uh, the mask flipping off and he accidentally said that Israel has nukes. He said he called Israel a nuclear power, but he was talking about like nuclear energy. Wow. (laughs) What a mook. And he just sort of like had this dumb, like sort of shook his head reaction. It's like, well, 
how funny would it be if Iran immediately wiped out all of uh, Israel's nuclear silos really? just in one fell swoop? That would be fun. That would be that's best case scenario is just immediately denuclearizing Israel. <laughs> okay, uh, Larry Robbins. Uh, he started with Omega Advisors. Uh, he's a hedge fund manager. Uh, he is the founder. What's up? Well, I guess you should, uh, maybe you should explain to those listeners who don't know your personal yes. connection to so Larry So the reason we're talking about uh, Larry Larry Robbins is that he is on the board of a math education company called Zern Incorporated. Oh, they're upstanding, if I've heard correctly. Uh, yeah, they're teaching kids to learn and love math. Oh, wow. And full disclosure, uh, I used to work <laughs> for Zern Incorporated, um, but then I... I uh, Last November, I got November fired from them. On your birthday. On my birthday. And uh, I currently have a case against them uh, going through the NLRB. Uh, so I will not be talking about Zern. Um, just out of, uh, out of self-preservation, I will not be talking about my experiences with Zern. However... However, I will be telling a fictional story told in the first person about <laughs> a uh, quantitative logic educational company called Blurn. Oh, Blurn, you say? Called Blurn, where all the individuals in the stories uh, incidentally have the same name as uh, people in the Seattle comedy scene in 2010. And, and, and this so, is for your, for your fictional story uh, written by uh, 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 Randy Malmer. Mm. Yes, uh, Randy Balmer. Yes, uh, thank you. Related to Steve Balmer. <laughs> the, so the company's called Blurn? Yes, Blurn. Mm -hmm. So that's interesting because I read this article about how everyone who works at Blurn has actually been convicted of child rape. <laughs> <laughs> They've actually pleaded guilty to uh, uh, l uh, lewd acts with a 12-year-old. Right. Oh, yeah. Well, you can't have read that because um, it's a fictional story. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, uh, I no. guess within the extended universe right. of Blurn. Sean's, Sean's, not talking, about, not Sean's yeah. talking about the, In the, universe. the liner notes oh, of the Blurn book. I read the back of this Blurn fictional tale by uh, Randy not canon. Bomber. And uh, I have to say, riveting stuff. You, uh, you, you cannot even uh, make up stuff about a, a universe that hasn't been created yet. Mm. Riveting. <laughs> uh, we, we're world building tonight. That's right. Yeah, we're world building. We should just note, um, Sean Hannity, of course, uh, does his show at 9 p.m. Eastern time, uh, according to uh, any regular talks with Donald Trump. He opened the monologue of his show tonight by saying, quote, they're going to get hit hard. Their three major refineries could soon go up in flames. We can report six B-52 bombers are on their way to the region, unquote. So that's... Uh, We'll find out tomorrow if Sean Hannity is full of shit or not. I guess uh, now's a good time to um, get a nice view of the Burj Khalifa if, you, uh, <laughs> if you're in Dubai and then head into the nearest parking garage. <laughs> okay, cut the uh, Baghdad joke, cut the uh, Kut joke, cut the uh, Azim Castle joke. Uh, Yogi getting joke. like progressively madder at the reporting okay. as more cities get hit. Like, okay. we're down to 10 mm, minutes. All right, cut the herbal joke. Uh, good thing we didn't the muzzle joke but that one's cut too uh, all right um uh, boy oh, okay it looks like iran has hit uh blurn mm. incorporated <laughs> <laughs> but let's talk about this fictional company blurn so this uh fictional company blurn it was um <clears throat> it was started in 2010 by 
um, a bunch of uh, people who used to work at, um, I can't say Bain Consulting, so I'll say McKinsey Consulting. Mm. And uh, just uh, they, they left there in 2012 because, uh, let's say, a prominent presidential candidate, not from Bain, but um, McKinsey, uh, probably made it awkward to be liberal and work at McKinsey. Mm. And so uh, they... I should also note that when uh, I uh, got fired from Blurn, they reminded me that I can't release any proprietary information. Okay. And that... Um, the fictional company. Yes. Yeah, the fictional company. I'm not allowed to mention any... Not that I had any plans, and also not that there really is any proprietary information. Uh, the fictional company, Blurn, says in their public statements that they... Uh, when or when they're like looking to hire a new programmer, they're like looking for someone who knows how to code in Ruby on Rails, which is an open source uh, web development <laughs> program. So it's like what what proprietary info? And that, by the way, hasn't stopped the uh, lead developer. Uh, let's say his name's Mauricio. Uh, <laughs> that hasn't stopped Mauricio from acting like he invented the World Wide Web. Oh man! Like he the the lead developer uh, Mauricio once at. Um, during a lunch <laughs> meeting, he did track in college uh, at a, an elite university, let's say Princeton. Yeah. And he said that he could, uh, in his distance class, he had a time advantage over Usain Bolt. <laughs> <laughs> Which, can, we, can we do all the episodes about Andy's fictional coworkers? <laughs> Which it, it, this is a good story. <laughs> he, it, there's the the what's worth noting is he had another time advantage over Usain Bolt, which is time spent in a shitty office. <laughs> he way more time spent in a shitty office than Usain Bolt. Usain Bolt probably spends I don't know one or two days a month in a shitty office. Mm -hmm. I mean, to, to an fair, what is a shitty office for Usain might be a nice office for for uh, uh, Mauricio. Mauricio. So, <laughs> I mean, technically speaking, Usain might spend a lot of time in shitty offices. I, I actually fucking love that though because you know. A guy t saying to your face, I had a better time than Usain Bolt is only one of those things that you let go when you're like, I got to see this person 40 hours a week. <laughs> <laughs> like if this was any sort of casual setting, I'd be like, no, I don't think you do. Right. Yeah. But because I have to be here yeah. with you in order yeah. to eat, I'm just going to yeah. say, oh, uh -huh, yeah. And also if I call you uh, uh, insane dumbass, I'll get fired on the spot. So wait, did uh, he really say this fictionally? <laughs> yeah, he really said this fictionally. Wow. Mauricio. <laughs> Weird if uh, fictionally I will, true. I will literally get kicked out of my apartment if I call you a liar right now. <laughs> <laughs> what, so, a, what a shitty fictional company Blurn is. Yeah. And, and Mauricio is only tangential to the story, but I had to tell, I had to say that. Just to give you an idea of... Um, but, but the clientele Blurn is hiring is uh, so up their own ass. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, this... I it, mean, they hired... They hired <laughs> Sorry. They I, hired the fictional me. No, yeah. yeah. No, I, I really learned, like, what an Ivy League uh, or just elite mm -hmm. degree really means working there, uh, fictionally. And so... <laughs> So the the real story that uh, takes place there it it started about uh, two years ago when we had a meeting when I had a meeting with the office lawyer I'm going to call her uh, Barbara Sayre mm -hmm. and um, nice she sat me down and said Andy you okay I'm not gonna <laughs> Steve these are comedians from the Seattle comedy scene 
Uh, some of them better than others. Mauricio, fictionally, but also really, says fuck Yogi Pyle on Facebook a lot. And uh, <laughs> I don't know why he's saying it, but fictionally, fuck him and literally fuck him too. I will say that Mauricio is the only one where I could think like, oh, that one matches perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> Man, so Barbara Sayre. Why so- did I ever get off Facebook? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, buddy, you fucked up. So uh, Barbara Sayre... Uh, uh, who's the uh, office layer uh, sat me and several of my fictional coworkers down and said, Hey, so there's a new New York law. It, uh, because you're listed of your, because of your employee categorization, mm-hmm. you are not uh, exempt for overtime, which means that uh, your salary uh, increases by about 2000 from 48,000 to uh, 50,000. And I was like, Oh, cool. And then I looked it up on the computer and I'm like, Oh, next year it's going up to 58, even cooler. Um, and the, my coworkers, uh, who had that same meeting did the same thing and they were like, Oh, cool. So then a, a year mm-hmm. goes by right? and we get our first paycheck of the new year where we're like, all right, 58, 58. And, uh, then it was the same Oh, <laughs> with, uh, so you're telling me blurn fucked fictional employees out of eight grand. Yeah. So then I, I went to Barbara Sarah and, uh, I said, hey, I was wondering if we could talk about this thing. And Barbara Sayer said, um, just a minute. Uh, I'm still <laughs> working on it. And Did that, you have a year to work on it, to be fair? The, yeah, they had a... They, it, what it turned out happened was they spent a year... Um, they decided that... Well, we were labeled administrative employees, which right. wasn't quite accurate. So they mm-hmm. were like, all right, well, let's reclassify them um, and also not tell them that they're reclassified. Ah. And so they reclassified all of us without telling us into uh, what were known as computer employees, mm-hmm. which uh, is a classification where you're available for overtime, but we were instructed that we're not allowed to work for overtime. Sure, yeah. Uh, and hurts the story of the fictional book. Yeah. <laughs> we were not allowed to earn overtime, so they told us that we got we were suddenly eligible for overtime and uh, I looked up the definition of computer employee, what they classified us mm-hmm. as. And it turns out the federal definition uh, is for IT. Oh, really? Yeah. Just people who program computer systems, yeah. which wasn't that, what we no, did. We no. worked with like Adobe uh, Photoshop. We did some like JavaScript coding. I'm sorry. Uh, this fictional coffee script coding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, nice. We, uh, and not Photoshop, GIMP. Uh, we worked in Synfig Studio uh, the, you know, I'm just going to say open freeware stuff, but, yeah. uh, we, in, in fact, the federal definition explicitly pro or said it, this does not apply to people who rely on computer programs to do their what? jobs. So, uh, when I looked this up, um, my boss, uh, let's say, uh, Mitch Burrow, mm-hmm. uh, with female, uh, use of Mitch. Got it. Uh, of course. You still listen to the show might still, Hey Mitch. Um, so Mitch Burrow was like, hey, we're going to I don't think we have anything to talk about during our weekly meeting. And I'd been talking with my coworkers where we were like, uh, right. this is bullshit. And I was like, OK, uh, the only way we can address this is if we all address it as a group. Right, right. And so strength in numbers, strength in numbers, uh, collective bargaining, because what they were saying is like, if you have if any questions about this, talk to me one on one. That's what both Mitch Burrow and uh, Barbara Sayre were saying to us. And so interestingly, it's also what they fictionally said to those children when they <laughs> attempted to go to the authorities. Sean, why are you hard? <laughs> so uh, 
So I insisted over our, our Slack thing. And it was like, uh, we should meet as a group. And uh, Mitch Burrow was like, I, I, don't, I don't think we should do that. And I was like, no, I really think we should meet as a group. Right. And so. Because you can break one arrow, but a whole bunch of arrows, more difficult to break. Mm-hmm. And so we had the group meeting and I just explained, hey, we don't qualify for computer employees. Here's why. And uh, Mitch was like, that's just the decision we made. And so that was that. Uh, except then so in this fictional story, they yes. straight fucked you and then you went, you're fucking us. And they went, that's what we're doing. Well, then it, it develops more because, uh, like a week later, uh, Mitch Burrow's boss, um, uh, give me a name, Nam, uh, Nam Hun, uh, Mitch Burrow's boss, Nam Hun, uh, <laughs> took me into, into her office and said, uh, so the tone that you used with Mitch does not uh match the collegiate quality of our office and if you do that again your job will be in danger wow Nam, your job might be in danger Mm. so she's tone policing you yeah well so i said quite literally uh that might be a violation of the national labor relations (laughs) act and then she said well i'm just talking about your tone and so i put that to the test and went to the nlrb and filed a charge and won mm. um so now when you did that mm-hmm. had you ever gone to the nlr uh the, the nrlb before nlrb no that was, that was my first time right and so so i said uh the words national labor relations board and she started shrieking as if i had <laughs> shown, shown a cross to a vampire <laughs> holding a pencil and just cracked <laughs> snapped in half actually what you're describing steve even is pretty much her demeanor. <laughs> um, for anyone in similar situations, what would you tell them about going to the NLRB? Um, I would just say uh, look into look up the National Labor Relations Act and what your rights are in terms of collective bargaining. Because as I what I just described, it sounds like something that you would not be able to get um, uh, that is too flimsy to count as government protection. But I won that case. Right. And so when you won, what did that mean? I, it actually meant very little. Um, what it, <laughs> it meant they had to send out an email yeah. that said that uh, we respect uh, we respect your your uh, employees' rights, and it also meant that they were supposed to put up a little sign in the break room, which they never did, uh, or not yeah in the yeah. break room on their bulletin board that said um, that detailed the case and everything, mm-hmm. uh, which they never got around to, and they were supposed to remove any official reprimands against me, which because it was an informal. Uh, right. It wasn't an official write-up. It was just a warning, if you will, Yes. in terms of fictional police terms. Yes. And uh, a few months after that, um, suddenly my performance was inadequate. Oh. My performance uh, didn't change. Like, I, I, what they said is um, I was getting work done late. Uh, I was... Um, Previously, you were given 30 pumps per fuck. You're still doing 30 pumps, but now they're not happy with it. Um, that's one way to put it. <laughs> I, I like to cut through the bullshit of uh, business jargon. Really cut through the meat eating, of all. Eating just as much ass that's as right. before. That's right. <laughs> Can I just say about your boss, Nam Hun, it's interesting that all the comedians who fictionally bullied you in Seattle moved to New York and started fictionally bullying you at your day job. <laughs> Did Nam ever fictionally... 
No, yeah, it was he, cool. You did tell that story about he showed you a gun or he pointed a gun oh, at yeah, you once. Oh, yeah, he pointed a fucking gun at me. <laughs> Fictionally. Yeah, that wasn't bullying. That was him being a dumbass <laughs> thinking it would be a funny gag to point a loaded gun at me. It is pretty funny, though. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was pretty this, funny. Is this real or fictional? Or real fiction? Nobody will ever know, Stephen. <laughs> it... <laughs> Fucking psycho. Um, so I, I love him though. All uh, right. So now the company is telling Blurn Incorporated is going. They put me on a performance improvement plan, right? Um, because it, which it, is the fictional version of a eating, uh, tossing a salad diet, if you will. Some twelve-year-old listening, like I've been there, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> we know all about Blurn and their <laughs> performance reviews. There. Um, yeah, so I got put on this performance improvement plan thing. Right. And here's here's something I should say, um, even in this fictional universe, is that the vast majority of people I interacted with at this company um, who were at the ground level, wonderful people. Sure. Um, uh, the way you wrote these people at Blurn. The way I wrote these people who I'm not mentioning, mm -hmm. they were all wonderful. Uh, uh, the um, Which is the case with any company that mm -hmm. is mostly corrupt. So there's a Blurn family. Yes. Yes. Um, and I should also mention that most of them uh, left over the last year. Um, there's a massive turnover at this fictional company. Which is the sign of a company being corrupt in general. I think that's uh, pretty prevalent for all of us. All I know for a fact is that anytime I see a company or an organization that has a high turnover, mm -hmm. it literally is, this is bullshit. And once people figure it out, they're on their way out. Yeah. Uh, this thing about like they suddenly put you under a performance review and like uh -huh. give you like a verbal warning or mm -hmm. something like that. Yeah. I've also experienced that in other corporate environments. Oh, really? Yeah. Both real and fictional. Yeah. It was, it was one of those things where it's like every single thing I did was suddenly put under a microscope and so that, and there would be a written record of every mistake I made. Right. Um, well, under Blurren my... wanted the, your character out. Um, do you uh, think? Uh, well, yeah, but, uh, <laughs> Can I just like, well, just kind of a related story about what I've learned about how employers work. Mm -hmm. um, so I've worked like, you know, various grocery stores. I worked at Whole Foods. Um, and, you know, what we would talk about there is when the bosses want you fired. I mean, most people who've worked any job know this. They'll find an excuse. Yeah. Um, so, you know, like if uh, say they want you, it, it's essentially like if they want you fired, and you're punching in, say, two or three minutes late occasionally. Mm -hmm. If they want you fired, they'll fire you. Oh, if, yeah. And use that as an excuse. If they don't want you fired, they won't. And I just wanted to say this story that I remember is I worked at um, uh, Eli's, is another grocery store on the Upper East Side. And I remember going to the back room and hearing the manager of the store telling um, approvingly a subordinate a story about Rudy Giuliani, who uh, was... Uh, demanding somebody be prosecuted for a crime, mm -hmm. and uh, and I guess the in this story, Rudy Giuliani's subordinate asked him, "Well, you know, what what has he done? Uh, what crime has he done?" And Rudy Giuliani said, "Everybody's done a crime. You just got to follow them long enough, wow. and you'll find yeah. the crime that they've done." And this was, you know, my manager at this store telling a story about. Uh, analogous to getting somebody fired. Well, wait until we get to the crime that I've done. <laughs> uh, Yes, yeah, so so they they put me under this performance improvement plan, and my um, even mostly because I did my work late and showed up a little late, and um, missed a meeting about uh, that was at like eight a.m. when there were like five meetings between two days, mm -hmm. uh, which wasn't normal, and so um, so 
one of the things that uh, these coworkers told me, one of these coworkers who's a good friend of mine told me after uh, I got canned was like, she was like, yeah, everyone always knew that Andy does the best work and he never does it on time. (laughs) (laughs) She was like, I even requested to have you be the only one to work on my projects. Um, And it didn't get granted, but like, and like, I was actually like, like, even though they put me on this plan, like uh, Mitch Burrow, my mm-hmm. manager, yeah. was at the same time, or was like just a year earlier, calling up the um, the temp company that they got me from, right. and like requesting more people like me. Oh wow! Yeah, you were the model that they wanted more of. Yeah, yeah. But now, now I'm uh, turning on my work too late. Uh, all of a sudden, and it's a problem. At the same time, they were bringing in this uh, guy from uh, school. Let's say Bale, mm-hmm. and oh, good school. Yeah. <laughs> Fail, uh, yeah. yeah, fail. Let's call it fail. Well, I mean, it's a it's a prestigious university, Bale, and uh, I I don't think fail does it justice. Um, it's let's call it jail then. Yeah. <laughs> and this is a guy who I looked up his LinkedIn. He well, he first of all, he seems to be incompetent at everything except ass kissing sure with, in nice. which he is a superstar let's name him kyle hike uh, <laughs> <laughs> now listen i i've seen kyle hike in action and this man knows how to eat but <laughs> can i tell a kyle hike story please uh, but this is a real kyle hike this is a kyle hike from uh seattle story is at one point he said on stage uh hey you know he named he named this female comedian and he's like you know how you see her this is at an open mic where the audience where she had just performed mm-hmm. and he goes, you know how you see her and you think like, I want to fuck her brains out. Like, do you really want to fuck her brains out? And it's like, he sexually harassed her and then transitioned it into a hacky joke. Wow. Like, it's like if, if you were on a subway and there was a guy masturbating and the moment you accidentally made eye contact with him, he was like, what's the deal with hand lotion? They know you're going to put it on your dick. <laughs> The genius of people from Bale never ceases to amaze me. Yeah, yeah. I can't believe your boss at Blurn did this. <laughs> <laughs> now, at one point, you mentioned that while you were writing this story in mm-hmm. your log cabin next to Stephen King's, that at Blurn, this individual from uh, Bale named uh, Kyle Hike was brought in to essentially replace your character. Yeah, yeah. First, he started um, talking about how bad that was an earned fist bump that you just did. Uh, First, he started talking about how uh, my code was sloppy and bad, uh, even though he had never done the kind of coding that I had. Right. Oh, and he also, uh, so at at first, but he had some like comments about JavaScript where it's like, uh, he knows CoffeeScript. He knows something about this coding language. Um, So I looked up his background and he studied uh, geopolitics at Bale. And then his first job uh, out of college uh, was working at Loomberg. Oh, wow as a quote software engineer oh yeah that place is great for those yeah you know geopolitics into software engineers that's Mm -hmm. a natural transition yeah of course um so it's like being a guy that walks tight ropes and then getting a job as a uh, a semi-truck driver (laughs) yeah so he spent a bunch of time saying why my shit was bad and then i explained well no there's reasons why you do this this and this that you don't uh understand yet and then over the next few months he slowly like retreated into like picking up the the habits the like things that I had sure, argued for sure, right. silently. Yeah. Um, oh, really? So Kyle Hike uh, had his uh, cock in between his legs and I realized he was not realized he was wrong, but self-admitted he that you were doing it the correct way. 
your character. Yes, without ever saying it and still being a complete dick to right. everyone. Right. Uh, I should also note that everyone hated him. Still does, probably. Anyway, uh, uh, fictionally. Um, that's how you wrote the characters. That's how I wrote the characters. And so the reason I bring up this guy is eventually he was brought in to train the people on the, the stuff I was coding. Mm-hmm. Um, even though he had never done it himself. And he ended up training them with training materials that I'd written myself. Wow. Uh, and then he, he was giving, um, I got to the point where, uh, after I had finished this performance improvement plan and it, it, I was going through the performance improvement plan while he was like doing these changes. And so, and then my boss, when I was like disagreeing with his terrible ideas, my boss was like, you have kind of an attitude problem. Um, we, we think that, you know, you should be more supportive of, um, the work that he's doing. Wow. Um, so basically, after the first NLRB incident, mm-hmm. there was a target on your back, yes. and the individual Kyle Hike uh-huh. was uh, relegated to, I mean, you know, kind of make your make your character's day a fucking bullshit reality, even though that wasn't technically their job. Essentially, you became the black sheep. Why is it got to be black? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so basically, uh, this guy Kyle Hike, he. <laughs> He's put in charge of training people on the things that I uh, uh, code. And then I'm also talking to the people who are being trained by him who are like, yeah, we'll ask him questions and he doesn't really know the answer to them. Uh, but I don't think <laughs> really? he wrote these training materials. Did you write these training materials? Uh, like he's that inept. He's that inept. Kyle yeah. Hike from Bale doesn't know how to fucking make print. This like, is a realistic story. This is a realistic it's completely, story. It's uh, completely fictional. None of this happened. Um, no, I'm just saying it's very convincing writing. Right. Yeah, no, some of the best fiction writers, you think they're like, like documenting a, reality, true, true crime. I should also note right that now. that his boss was the one who kind of implemented this code changing program because she looked at uh, some of my fictional code mm-hmm. and uh, couldn't understand it. it. Was like, well, you guys need to write your code a different way, and that's why she brought Kyle Hike in. And she also wrote some of her like, you should write your code this way, and wrote some example code, and it was like riddled with errors. Oh wow! And I was like. I, I, I couldn't tell whether she if whether I was like imagining the errors or whether she like really knew what she was doing. And so then I looked on her LinkedIn and it was like um, Blarvard Business School. <laughs> <laughs> like before she got this job. And it's like, oh, none of these people like have a background right. in the stuff that they're trying to tell us so what now, to do. Do you think those people were brought in just on the pedigree of their Ivy League educations? Because um, they were doing jobs. They, From your perspective, at least as you've written them, had no business doing. Yeah, like, it, 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 for part of it, it was like, for one of them, it was um, uh, for um, that uh, for Kyle Hike's boss, let's say... Um, Seth Lazier. Seth Lazier. <laughs> for for, for uh, Seth Lazier, she... Uh, um, and these were all people that Sean alleged earlier uh, uh, had had relations with fourteen-year-old uh, and younger individuals. We're gonna Seth lose. Lazier, Nam Hun, Mitch Burrow, Barbara Sayer, all of these individuals were written as people that at one point are not Kyle Hike. Let's not forget him uh, or them. Uh, I can't wait till we see people from the Seattle area canceling their Patreons. <laughs> <laughs> I bet it's going to even out between people canceling and the people we didn't name who are like, wait, I want to, I want to hear what Kyle Hike did. <laughs> <laughs> the five people who remember Kyle Hike. Um, Is early 2010s Seattle comedians do anything for you? <laughs> That's what we're doing. 
so uh i mean seth lazier was at least competent at being a manager mm-hmm. uh but kyle hike just had the pedigree sure um and more like a james milton if you will <laughs> <laughs> So the Zier, competent manager, but James Milton. I mean, more ego than the manager. Joke for two people. (laughs) (laughs) Neither of them are in this room. (laughs) Um, so, uh, yeah, Kyle Hike had no managerial experience, whereas Seth Lazier actually had some sort of uh, uh, talent for it. Yeah, yeah, and Seth Lazier, like I was on friendly terms with Seth Lazier for a while, and then uh, Seth Lazier went all in behind Kyle Hike. Mm. Uh, and it it got pretty messy. By the way, do you want to hear a, a story about the CEO Terry Taylor? Yes, I would love to hear a story about CEO of Blurn Terry Taylor. So the um, love Sean, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The CEO of Blurn fucking loved Sean. And, <laughs> um, Look, I know how to keep a secret. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, ter- so we we would have these uh, uh, meetings with the um like group meetings with the uh with terry taylor and uh she would explain she would like tell us how hard she's like working Mm -hmm. for the company and she'd be like you know i have literally because it's a nonprofit, so it's based on donations and she'd be like i have literally asked for billions of dollars what as the as though like if i walked around and asked 100 people for one dollar i could be like i've asked for like a (laughs) hundred (laughs) dollars Yeah. Yeah. So that's um, that was the leadership uh, who uh, sets the culture. Oh, they also gave us a culture book a year ago that uh, would lecture us on what blurn culture is. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of my friends, when she uh, when she got a better job, she was like, yeah, I'm going to go camping this weekend. I'm going to burn the culture book. <laughs> and I was like, hold on. Take the plastic off <laughs> before you do that. Sure. Um so, so eventually it comes to a point where uh, Kyle Hike is lecturing a bunch of the new hires on the proper ways of uh, writing uh, certain uh, code variables or writing uh, directives for certain code variables so right. that my team uh, can code them properly. And during this uh, during this talk, he, the people he's lecturing are. Um, uh, quantitative log- former quantitative logic teachers, <laughs> elementary school quantitative logic and middle school quantitative logic teachers right. who understand quantitative logic. True, sure. that's their job. Yes, and he's trying to tell them how to write, um, uh, uh, how to describe certain random variable ranges, um, so that uh, my team can accurately uh, code them. And he would say things like, "Now you have to specify a beginning and an end." Because if you don't specify an end, there could be an infinite number of them. He's just like sagely gives you this advice. Yeah, yeah. It's like all these teachers are going to be like, oh shit, I didn't realize. I knew there were a lot of numbers. Fucking thank you. Yeah. For pointing out this difficult. You like, you go to fuck. Advanced technique. You go to fuck Kyle Hike's brain out and then you're just fucking air. Here's another. Uh, this is another uh, Seattle comedy Kyle Hike story where once he like started talking to me and was like, "Yeah, you know, I got in a lot of trouble last week because they gave me this beer." And here's the thing: it had a bunch of head, and they it, and there's something, you know. And I work hard for that. And they threw me out, and there was something like. That. <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't know who this is, but that sounds fucking hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you don't have to think that hard to picture the guy. Um, and I'm just standing there like, uh-huh, yeah, no, that sounds tough, man. <laughs> like, I, I, I don't want to say something that turns on, like, he's clearly got, like, a fight-or-flight switch, and I don't want to flip it. Um, uh, anyway, going back to Blurn. Yes. So it gets to the point where uh, we're having this group meeting and uh, Kyle Hike is giving a presentation uh, about how to properly uh, code variables in our coffee script. Mm -hmm. um, and you don't have to write in. I know that's an actual language as well. Um, and so he's, he's uh, uh, giving a presentation about uh, how to properly write code in coffee script and there are obvious mistakes in it. And so, and this is a small meeting. And so it's, it's one where people will like jump in and point things out. Right. And so I point at one of his slides where I'm like, okay, well actually you, um, uh, in here, you don't have semicolons after some of the statements. And, uh, that's actually going to break the program. <laughs> if you, uh, uh, you're going to get a break. And I'm just telling this so that everyone knows that it's going to break if you sure. don't include semicolons. And he goes, everyone knows about the semicolons, Andy. <laughs> uh, he couldn't handle even the most moderate <laughs> so what, criticism. That tone is okay. Well, so then he uh, gets to uh, another part of his presentation where he's like, and you should break up the variables. And I'm like, well, actually, uh, I actually code it with, uh, uh, do these things with just one variable and it actually, um, or one like kind of large variable and that the way that the thing's structured it actually works better this way because uh, you can get into all these and he's like, would you stop interrupting me? Um, wow. Yeah. And so when he finished, I was like, are you done? Can I uh, say my thing? And he's like, yes, you can say your thing. And so after, after this meeting, mm -hmm. uh, I get a message from one of my good coworkers, right. um, uh, Eric Uthis. Come and on. she says to me, great coworker. Yeah. Uh, hey, are you okay? That was really unprofessional what he did. And this is a Thursday, by the way. Um, and I was like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm actually kind of, it's kind of like a relief that the mask is off. Yeah, sure. Um, uh, now so, you're referring to Kyle Hike showing his true colors when you say that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. But in fairness, if you could see the slack, we really go on Andy about the semicolons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> and then on Friday, let's see. Um, I got, uh, I had a meeting at 8.30 a.m. Mm -hmm. uh, I got a message about it on, or no, it's a meeting at 10. I got a message about it at 8.30 to show up at 10 o'clock sharp. Oh, wow. And I was like, well, I'm not going to be late for this meeting. I know what it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I put on my nicest clothes and uh, I got this letter. Uh, Dear Andy, this letter confirms that your employment with Blurn is terminated effective immediately. Your termination is due to unprofessional conduct and poor performance. Um, let's you, see. You're saying a fictional character got this letter. Yes. Yes. Yeah, my, a fictional character right. uh, got this letter. Um, let's see. Uh, I have... However, you have, let's see, Zern expects all team, <clears throat> Blurn expects all team members to work together collaboratively and respectfully. However, you have exhibited repeated inability to work collaboratively uh, with respect towards your team members when receiving guidance and because uh, you interrupted him derogation of Blurn's stated values. You have resisted taking um, directions uh, from others and improving Blurn code over the past several months. I haven't resisted taking directions. I mean, I took the directions and then the things that I didn't take were actually incorporated by Kyle Hike. Um, yeah, Kyle Hike said, "Hey, take three lefts to go straight," and you went, "I can go straight." And he went, "Stop interrupting!" Yeah, yeah. 
So uh, it says uh, product manager Kyle Hike was attempting to explain best coding practices <laughs> to the analyst team uh, through a presentation on um, what's called the mountain coding guidelines. Uh, multiple times during the presentation, you interrupted him with disrespectful comments, disagreeing with the guidance in an unproductive <laughs> manner for the broader team. You repeatedly shouted, free bird, free bird. <laughs> uh, Mitch Burrow, your supervisor, has repeatedly instructed yourself and the entire analyst team that the team should be following um, uh, Kyle's guidance. However, you chose to not only interrupt with opinions that you had already expressed and which already had been responded to. Well, not the semicolon thing. I was pointing out bad code, um, but also point out a oh, but also point out a typo in the product product manager's presentation. Uh, the interruption was excessively long, unproductive, and unprofessional. Wow. Yeah. Long, unproductive, and unprofessional. Um, I had no idea they got in like that specific. Yeah, in a termination letter. Yeah, like, that's crazy. Well, it's because I already went to the NLRB. Um, it's also funny because they like talk about all the other things they did. Oh, so they, they had to like dot dot all their eyes, cross yeah. all their yeah, T's yeah. after yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, at one point, they say at the conclusion of your performance improvement plan on August seventh, twenty nineteen, uh, Mitch Burrow reinforced the importance of maintaining a positive and productive attitude. Well, I've got the recording of that meeting, and uh, <laughs> that was not said. So <laughs> it was so full of shit. Just a complete cover your ass, like. And, you know, again, we've talked about this to death. This is just because labor law is so fucking useless in this country mm -hmm. that they just, you know, make up a reason to terminate somebody for uh, asking, why are you illegally denying me a raise? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and uh, and I guess also, you know, when it's a Friday morning meeting, you're getting fired because there's another oh, morning meeting. Yeah. Mo oh, it was Monday. Yeah. I thought it was like something about American culture where they fire people on Fridays just so yeah, they have the office space. They get the whole week on. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. they don't shoot up the place. That's right. <laughs> the only labor action available to American workers. Well, they did have two mob ass looking guys who were like there to escort me out. Because and then as I was leaving, um, uh, Barbara Sayre was like, she like popped her head out of the door and was like, "By the way, you don't have any proprietary information, do you?" Wow. It's like, what the fuck proprietary information would I have? As I said, it's... Your character said in this fictional story about Blur Incorporated. Did you have, like, their... The, Palmer? Yeah. Whatever the fuck values, like, their guide or whatever with you? The cultural... Yeah. The, oh, culture the culture thing, yeah. I think I... I def well, I definitely left one of the books, like, just sitting on my desk is the only thing that I yeah. left behind. Andy with, like, a thumb drive of pictures of the management team with 12-year-old children <laughs> yeah. shoved Proprietor firmly Proprietor. up his asshole, right. being like, no, no proprietary information <laughs> at all. So now, when uh, your character was fired, you went to the NLRB once again? Uh, yes, I, I called them up, uh, scheduled a meeting to file a charge, um, and... So uh, I made a mistake, actually, uh, when I was doing the performance improvement plan, because that was bullshit. Uh, yeah, it was bullshit. It was cut and dry retaliation. Um, and I knew it at the time, but I was so beaten down. Like I was literally like thinking about suicide on the regular mm. uh, fictionally um, that like Aww. I well, I didn't do it. Um, we love you, Andy. Well, thank you. I. You know, I will say also, uh, fictionally, I'm much happier now that I've not gone to that place. Hmm. Um, 
But you know, Andy, we would miss you more than we would miss the quarter of the Patreon we would get back <laughs> if you were to do something like that. Andy, if you killed yourself, I'd have to edit two to three times more. <laughs> Could I just say also, like, so we started this episode like knowing we're going to a war to Iran. So I've just been drinking uh, these fat tires, and it's interesting, like, over the course of a podcast, where you kind of remember how to do jokes in your head, but the drunker you get, the like, <laughs> the ability to connect the words. Gets it's more difficult. I'll tell you what, that's never a problem for Kyle Hyde. No, no, Kyle Hyde commits to the bit. The drunker he gets. Just don't put too much head in his beer. Or I'm guessing he'll assault a waiter. If that seems to be, yeah. So you went to the NLRB in your story a second time, but the mistake you made was that you should have gone when they did the performance review thing? Yeah, because when I went the second time, what they told me was that um, this is actually going to be much harder because uh, the statute of limitations for retaliation from that second time you went has right. expired because... Uh. Um, that lasted until like August or something. Sure. So it's like a month and a half that you can, can, uh... it's, it's six months. Actually, if it lasted till August 7th, maybe it didn't expire. It's well, it started in April and it lasted until August because they tacked on an extra, uh, uh, month because, uh, I was resisting the, sure. uh, coding changes that, um, Kyle Hike was instituting. Yeah, the Kyle Hike was institute. Well, I, I was Kyle saying I, I was pointing out issues with them, and that maybe hmm. they should talk to us before telling us how to uh, code something they never coded before. Did you try not interrupting them? Um, you know, it, when I think back on the mistakes I made, I should have not interrupted them more. Sure. Okay. That makes sense to no one. <laughs> oh, what what was on your performance uh, like uh, plan? Um, let's see. I think. Yeah, were you not required to show up late? What did they make you do? What did you write about this character that that you were supposed to do that you your character? Yeah, I'm didn't trying to dig do. deep into the universe right now. Mm -hmm. Not, uh, uh, let's we're, see. We're still world build, world, mm -hmm. world building. Uh, oh, here here's one of the reasons that they things they put on my performance improvement plan. Um, let's see. Uh, one of the reasons they started was um, I was not doing adequate prioritization of work, e.g. leaving work early to attend a happy hour while behind on my tasks. I should make. <laughs> I should say that when they say that. Uh, what they're referring to is an instance where we were having a going away happy hour for one of my wow. favorite co-workers. Yeah. yeah. Well, Andy, you shouldn't have done that. Well, yeah. Like, what, what's like I should have stayed and completed my task before uh, saying goodbye to someone I've been working with for years. Um, what's their like plan, though? What they have you do to get better? Starting quote. May 1st and, 1st and for a period of 60 days, establish regular office hours. Be at the office no later than 10 a.m. working eight hours each day. Remote work will be suspended until further notice. Um, there are people who like work outside of sure. town remotely. It's a regular thing. Uh, establish prioritization and communication practices. Rever review queue assignments each morning. Checking in with Mitch Burrow if clarification is needed about uh, which order to address the tasks. Refer to content team QA calendar to help prioritize tasks based on lo-fi and uh, uh, quality assurance review. Days. This seems uh, like copy-pasted from delete policy and procedures. Team, uh, QA and that. Uh, complete my daily and weekly goals in our um, editing program. So basically, if I get over-assigned work and I can't complete it on time or can't tell my boss, uh, can't tell Mitch Burrow that um, I won't be able to do it on time by the end of the day, um, that's a that's a issue. Mm. And so it's it's things like that where it's like sometimes you can't really predict how much uh, work you're going to have during the day and suddenly... Uh, not being able to predict that you won't be able to finish certain tasks. Right. And these aren't like 
time sensitive, like heavily time sensitive tasks. They're like, um, it's part of like a long process. And so, you know, it's things like that where then it's put under a microscope. Um, let's see. And then B, bring the average number of times your tasks need to be shifted into line with team expectations about one to two times every 10 days when looked at over a month. So the number of times that I ask, that I say, hey, you've given me too much work and I can't complete it by the end of the day, I can only say that about one to two times every 10 days. Better <laughs> use it wisely. Yeah. And also don't do overtime because now your overtime is being tracked. They also, they... Um, so they, when, when you're saying uh, you're illegally underpaying me, you can't say that more than once every two <laughs> weeks. Right. You've misclassified my employment status. Well, what was it? I sh I played you guys that fictional recording of um, me talking to the boss about our uh, reclassification, mm -hmm. and I think Stephen, you had like the best response to like what she said, which was like, "Okay, first of all, shut up." <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, she just like immediately shut, tried to shut you down. Yeah, I was like, so yeah. we're being reclassified as computer employees because we write code. <laughs> and she was like yeah so just like god i wish you had one year in a in a rb case within the window so you could come back there triumphantly i mean if i win this which i'm it's gonna be weird like if i go back i mean what, what oh you, you still could yeah you still could i still could point, yeah. yeah okay and the reason i'm like saying all this because it might jeopardize like um a lawsuit. I don't want to bring a lawsuit against these assholes. Like, I just want to say what they did. Sure. Yeah. Uh, like, I don't. I don't want to. People have said like sue them. I don't. I don't want to. I don't. I. You don't care to. You want this shit to stop happening. You don't want to get a payout for it. I mean, yeah, a payout would be nice, but the amount of hurdles you have to do to do that is bullshit. Yeah. But also, you want Blurn the company to stop being written so poorly. <laughs> yeah. I, I will. Yeah. I. I just like I. Um, was there a semicolon in that sentence, Yogi? <laughs> <laughs> too many, actually. Uh, please don't point that out because it, um, it it's it's unprofessional conduct and uh, poor performance. Yeah, Sean. So, what would you have done differently? One of them being that you would report it to the NLRB when you had the performance review stuff would be one thing. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else you'd recommend to any of our listeners that may be dealing with injustice at work and that, that should contact the NLRB, which we'll link in our description of this episode? Um, That's the main thing is, is just... You got to do it on time. You got to do it on time. I yeah. Mean, Andy does great work, but it's never on time. <laughs> and therefore should be fired. Um, oh, did I also mention that they... Uh, fictionally reclassified uh, sales employees as computer employees. Really? Yeah. Nothing to do. All they do, the only co connection is they work on they computers. Work. <laughs> this is like sort of related, but something I learned when I got hit by a car on my bicycle, mm -hmm. uh, just speaking of doing paperwork on time. So in New York State, uh, if you're in a car accident, uh, the insurance company, the car insurance company, uh, is supposed to take care of all your medical bills. It's called no-fault insurance. Mm -hmm. And the way no-fault insurance used to work is you had 90 days to submit paperwork right. to the car insurance company to say, hey, 
you, I was in a car accident. I have medical bills. You have to pay them. Mm -hmm. But then they lobbied the New York state government and they got it switched to 30 days. Oh, wow. So you, if you are in a car accident in New York state, you have 30 days to file all of your paperwork to get your medical bills taken care of. And it's just one of those fucked up things. Cause it's like, say you're seriously injured. You're just in a hospital for like two weeks. You're not going to think of that. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah, so. you were in a coma for 31 days. <laughs> yeah. So, but it, I mean, it's just Sorry. the way, it's the way shit works in America. Like if something bad happens to you, fucking file your paperwork next day or as soon as you can. And, and it's a horrible thing because, you know, people are traumatized, they're stressed, or they're even, you know, medically incapacitated. But it's like you just have to because the system is so stacked against you. So, yeah. theoretically, mm -hmm. if uh, uh, Gandhi uh, Bomber wins this NLRB case, uh -huh. what is the next course of action? Does he get his job at Blurn again? That's a possibility, though. I... Uh think they would try to um would pay this fictional guy mm -hmm. to um uh not come back with a settlement and then he might refuse to sign an nda in that case nice. <laughs> or they'll give him his job back and i think you promised uh fictionally to give this guy uh bail uh clothes <laughs> to walk into office the first day with <laughs> i said this yeah you'd buy me a bail hat nice just go in there and immediately interrupt him. <laughs> <laughs> I did say I'd buy you a bail hat. That's right. I, I will. St if you in this story get this job back and are facing going to this place, I will spend the $35 that Ebbett Fields Flannery sells their bail hats for. We should get Andy a custom shirt with just a giant semicolon on it. <laughs> <laughs> we should sell those shirts. That's great. <laughs> That's fucking perfect. One of my coworkers was like, I mean, uh, what's Kyle going to do when he can't take your ideas anymore? Because <laughs> <laughs> another thing he would do is like, I, I would suggest all these improvements to the um, thing for like hey, years. You mean you would do his fucking job? <laughs> Before he even like became an employee. And then he, um, and I even got to the point where I was like making improvements in my like uh, code editor uh to like have these hotkeys to do things quickly mm -hmm. and then he would make a presentation where he's like we're implementing this program that allows wow. you to write the code faster using like these wow. things stealing your ideas yeah Man. what a perfect summation of corporate america yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what's he gonna do when he fires you and he can't steal your ideas yeah. anymore i mean it's also pretty obvious that like part of the reason the, the i got fired is he like you know told his boss uh nam yep um seth lazier Seth Lazier. He told his boss Seth Lazier, and then like Seth Lazier might have like said, "Hey Terry Taylor, here's a good reason to give him the the outs." Um, or Mitch Burrow did it on uh, her own accord. Yeah, Terry's been so tragically fired for using the N word at work. <laughs> <laughs> so the story's a mystery. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, we have more updates on Blurn coming in the near future. But before we close out the episode. Our resident Twitter extraordinaire <laughs> recently banned. So yes, I was suspended for 12 hours uh, because <laughs> they knew what I was going to say. Sean was on suicide watch. <laughs> has uh, collected some of the uh, finest tweets to share with our audience at this time. They, they suspended me for 12 hours from Twitter for my own good, just so I didn't blame Idpole for the war in Iran. <laughs> just... Just, you know, just tone it down on the class reductionism <laughs> just a little bit, buddy. You can come back in the morning. Oh, did you see what our commander-in-chief just said? Yeah. So we have uh, two tweets. 
Um, though I guess we should just advertise. We will talk uh, on either the free or the Patreon episode next upcoming. We will have a full episode on the billionaire Larry Robbins and uh, Glenview Capital Management. We we're going to talk a bit more today, but, you know, events distracted. Uh, and we'll talk about how Larry Robbins uh, and his company relate to uh, Andy's story. And we'll also talk about some of the other uh, Pizzagate-linked billionaires. He actually has no relation to my story because it's fictional. <laughs> That's right. We'll talk about some of the other Pizza Pizza gate billionaires who are involved in this fictional story Andy just made up and right Andy now. Andy's story, it's Calzone Gate. <laughs> so, uh, I guess just to, to close out, we should mention uh, the foreign minister of Iran, uh, and you know, if you're listening to this, you know this, but we'll, we'll just uh, discuss it briefly. For those of you who don't. <laughs> uh, the foreign minister of Iran has tweeted, Iran took and concluded proportionate measures in self-defense under Article 51 of the UN Charter, targeting the base from which cowardly armed attacks against our citizens and senior officials were launched. <laughs> we do not seek escalation of war, but will defend ourselves against any aggression. So, you know, that's important because he's saying they concluded proportionate response. So Iran is saying we launched these 12 uh, cruise missiles and we're done. If you hit us back, there'll be more. If not, things can climb down. Uh, Donald Trump tweets, all is well, exclamation point. Missiles launched from Iran at two mil military bases located in Iraq. Assessment of casualties and damages taking place now. So far, so good. We have the most. <laughs> so far, so, so, so good. good. <laughs> Just like a hundred dead Iraqis. <laughs> so far, so good. We're in good shape, folks. <laughs> Uh, we have ta we have the most powerful and well-equipped military anywhere in the world by far, exclamation point. I will be making a statement tomorrow morning. And uh, by the time this episode is out, you will know which uh, supermodels Donald Trump claimed to have fucked in his statement <laughs> tomorrow morning, updating us on the Iran war. But, I mean, you know, uh, we'll see. But it seems like, uh, according to some people on Twitter, maybe he'll be he'll climb down from this. I and think, yeah, I think they alphaed him. Just like, <laughs> it's, I mean, that's just like. That's what, that's what the world's hoping. Like, Jesus Christ, what a depressing statement of real politic. Just the fact that they only killed Iraqis allows Donald Trump to climb down and us not have a full-blown war yeah. because he didn't kill any Americans. Yeah. Allegedly. Like, and, you know, we'll see uh, if this comes out tomorrow. But, uh, yeah. But, you know, hey, Jesus Christ, uh, I will be so happy if things do not get any worse from here and we avoid a war with Iran. And Iran just bombed Iraq so great. Still prosecute the Trump administration, though. I and Dick Cheney, Henry Kissinger. Today. There's no statute of limitations Trump on this shit. They can die in jail. Bazinga. And with that, this has been Grubstakers. Uh, I'm Yogi Polywall. I'm Andy Palmer. I'm Stu Jeffries. Uh, I'm Shumpy McCarthy. Thanks for listening. And uh, check out our upcoming episode on Larry Robbins and uh, other fictional Pizzagate billionaires. Bye-bye now. Get that butt wet. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode of Grubstakers. This is one of our historical episodes, episode 130, Blurn. If you enjoyed this and you wanted to hear more of our historical episodes, you can right now. You can go to patreon.com slash grubstakers and listen to our entire back catalog, as well as get our bi-weekly roundups, which we're not sure if that's the name yet. But if you hop over to our Patreon, you uh, might be able to make some suggestions on what that might be. Who knows? Anyways, thanks for listening. Check us out on grubstickers.net and sign up for our Patreon. We love you and good night.